Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi everyone, it's GigPod episode 158 and as promised we're back to review Celtic 3, Hearts 1 as well as looking ahead to Saturday's big cup game at Tynecastle. So the good news is there's no Rizzo alongside myself, Stevie. The bad news is, eh, well there's no bad news because instead I'm joined by Hearts fan and good friend that I would never criticise, it's the Terraces, Robert F. Bothwick. Robert, you're back on GigPod for the first time since August 2021 when you slagged off Carol Starfelt mercilessly. And since then, he's won three trophies, he's firing into Jacinta, and he's also got a far better haircut than you. So how do you feel? Honestly, mate, he is... Uh, it's, it's a turnaround that I expected but didn't want to see. Uh, when when he played in that game, was it a game at Tynecastle when we beat you? Is that right? And uh, I, I, he was mince. He was terrible in that game. But listen, he is... Uh, he is he has proven me wrong, uh, unfortunately, time and time again. You were mugging him off in the 3-2 game. I believe he conceded a penalty. Uh, Liam Boyce converted it as well. I remember you were sitting with myself and Hamish and you said, this guy's got no future at Celtic. But look at look at what he's done. He's proved an expert like you wrong. Listen, mate, I, I, only, I only see what I see. And in those two games, he was he was shite. So listen, mate, that's, I'm just saying what I see. That's all it is. It's simple as that. That's, that's what analysis is. I do the eye test, mate. I don't look at the stats. Uh, last night, Celtic won 3-1 against Hearts. Uh, they stayed nine points clear at the top of the league with 10 games to go. You know, my comments in the game, I was in 67 Hail Hail last night with Hamish. Uh, it was a bit of a late night show we did live. So a lot of gig pod listeners that tune in um, no doubt heard what I had to say about that game. And I'm sure that we will debate a couple of the flashpoints as well, Robert, uh, as well as a certain manager that I'll get on to soon. You know what's coming there because I was texting you earlier on about him. But I just want to know from a Hearts perspective, what was your 
take in the game last night? Uh, my take was that as soon as I saw the starting lineup, I knew that we were maybe phoning this one in a little bit, to be honest. Uh, and I think that when that happens, you do tend to see the, the, the fringe players coming in and doing quite well. And that's basically exactly what happened last night. Big lad, uh, Keo Marksoglu, Keo to his friends. Uh, he's, he's not set the header alight since he signed, but he did all right in the middle of the park. You've got uh, Andrew Andy Halliday, uh, left wing back, swinging in a, a perfect cross for Janelli to head home at the back post to open the score. And I think you know we we played well. I wasn't there. Um, I was I was um, filming yesterday, but I listened to it in the in the car on the way back to Glasgow. And I basically said to my mate all the way back, I was like, "Listen, it was one each when we got in the car. I think I was like, just wait, just wait. Celtic will score, and then the only commentary we we, uh, we will hear." is Celtic have a chance, Celtic have a chance, Celtic have a chance, because that's just how it goes. This Celtic team is infuriating to play against because you know that as soon as they get their noses in front, they're not going to lose it. They're not going to lose the ball again. They're not going to lose the game. And that's exactly what happened. I think we played well right up until we didn't. And as soon as uh, as soon as Kyogo scored the second, that was, that was kind of lights out for us. I think we had a couple of half chances. But to be honest, if you look at this from a trying to find the positives kind of way. And we had players in there that, that did okay. You know, players that came in and, and, and played reasonably well. You know, maybe ones you'd expect not to play that well. Alan Forrest, um, I, I think, I think did all right as well. Uh, you know, he held the ball up for us. He was able to take us high up the park. And again, it was kind of him that, that sprung the, the attack for the goal as well. So positives in that, uh, in that regard. But, I mean, our record against Celtic is so, so bad that, you know, it's kind of got to a stage now where it's acceptance before uh, the ball's even kicked, which isn't how it should be. But until we start putting in proper performances in Glasgow, playing our, our best team, which we haven't done actually at Celtic Park for the last couple of games, um, then it's going to be scorelines like this, 3-1, 4-1, 3-2, whatever. Um, and and scorelines that, you know, are representative of Hearts, quote-unquote, giving you a game, or as the media have said today, making you sweat. But that's about it. I mean, that's that's about as, as good as we can get just now. And until until things change, that's that's how it's going to be. Do you still have that wee bit of hope that you're thinking maybe down the line you might actually get this point, you might get lucky in your head? Like, what's the percentage of getting the result at Celtic Park under Robbie Nielsen? Uh, I mean, the percentage at half time yesterday, because like I was saying, I was saying to my mate in the car on the way back, I was like, Celtic are winning this. I'd say the, the, the percentage of hearts getting the result um, when it was one each at half time, I'd say it was about 10 to 15%. And, and honestly, that is it's depressing to say, but it's just like, see for hearts to win at Celtic Park, then what hearts need to do is play incredibly well hope that Celtic don't play well and then get a bit of VAR of Midlothian in there, you know, get a, get a wee bit of the uh, wee bit of stardust from uh, Willie Collum in the uh, in the VAR booth and, and that's basically all we can hope for because it's the same for anyone in the league right now and I could include Rangers in that as well. You need you need Celtic to be off their game, you need to play incredibly well and you need the decisions to go your way at the same time uh, and that's kind of that's kind of where Celtic are, and that's credit to, to Postacoglu for, for building a, a team and a belief in a system uh, that essentially means that, that Parkers is an imp- a basically impossible place to go if you are a team in the, the Scottish Premiership. And yeah, uh, right now, that's what you need. You need luck, you need decisions, and you need Celtic to be off again. It's funny you're saying that with Celtic Park being a fortress these days because we've played um, 14 games there and we've won all 14 uh, we scored 44 goals, we've only conceded eight. But here's an interesting one. While we have an away record that is, I mean, it's not exactly terrible, 12 wins, one draw at Ibrox and one loss, the well-documented one at 
St Mirren, we've actually scored more goals on the road. We scored 46 away from home. Conceded more, yeah, 12 of course. But yeah, I mean, those numbers are just frightening. And even as you say, even if your Rangers come into Celtic Park, you're pretty much dreading it. But I've got to say, I mean, that second half, I felt hearts did drop off. I think, you know, the energy levels certainly sort of took a nosedive. And I think that's mainly down to the fact that when you're chasing the ball, with a Celtic side, you're going to get knackered. Hamish remembered an anecdote where Annie, where Ange was basically saying, think of how knackered you are on when you've got the ball. Think of what I'm asking you to do here. And just imagine what the other team are going to feel like if you're knackered when you've got the ball. And you can see that when other, you know, we wear other teams down around 60, 70 minutes. And I know in the past, you've known me, Robert, um, a long time. And I've not always enjoyed watching Celtic when we've been in big flat track bully mode. It's hard as it is to believe, you know, how I felt you saw me in the Rodgers days. But I just feel this, um, this Celtic team's a completely different beast under Ange Postecoglou. I really delight to watch. And, you know, as soon as Kyogo did make it 2-1, I pretty much knew in my mind that that was it. The Celtic team weren't going to look back. Whenever we seem to go ahead now, um, we're not slipping up and we're, we're not losing daft points anymore. We're able to look to the bench and we're able to bring on guys like Tomoki Awata just to see the game out. And, and obviously, you know, you look at the Hearts bench as well and you've not got that calibre of player to bring on. It's, it's an interesting one that you mentioned. It's like, uh, it's equivalent to Celtic going to Man City or, or Real Madrid or, or something like that when, you know, Hearts are going in one apiece uh, at Celtic Park at half time. How, how much did Haxabanovic cost Celtic? Was, I think it was just under £2 million, I believe. Aye. So it's, it's like even that, that's a guy who's a reserve who the majority, the bulk of his play for Celtic has been off the bench. Um, I think it's fair to say, I think obviously there's a chance he'll start a Tinkas on Saturday because of uh, Maeda's injury, but obviously we'll, we'll talk about that in a wee bit. But you're bringing on a guy that costs about £2 million off the bench. I mean, the, the gulf is so massive between Celtic and, and, you know, the gulf between Celtic and Rangers is big enough. And then obviously underneath that is, it is remarkable um, to, to see that, that sort of, that, change and I mean Celtic can pay guys what 30, 40 grand a week. I don't even know. Um and, and Hearts Hearts Aberdeen Hibs get absolutely nowhere near that. So that's obviously a huge factor as well. And I, I know that obviously a lot of uh, Celtic fans that are listening and, and Rangers fans as well will say, well you know it's that's not much of an excuse. It kind of is, um to be honest with you, when you look at it objectively, that's a massive thing. So yeah, absolutely the depth made a difference. Um Hearts were missing 10 first team players yesterday. Um, I mean, I know they said Shankland was was rested. I think he was, sorry, they said Shankland was injured. I think he was more probably just rested um, ahead of the weekend. Again, you have guys like uh, Snodgrass not in the team. Uh, Craig Halkett's out for ages. Craig Gordon, uh, who you who you are obviously a massive fan of, and and all these guys. Alex Cochran was on the bench. I know you are genuinely uh, a massive fan of Alex Cochran, Michael Smith. All these guys were were missing yesterday, but the depth that Celtic have is terrifying. Celtic could put out a second-choice 11 and probably still win this league. And that tells you the, the, the recruitment under Postacoglu has, has just been so much better than it was under the likes of Lennon and, and, and Dyla and, and, you know, even to an extent, Brendan Rodgers as well. He's bringing in players that fit a system and, and that system absolutely is the best one that Scottish football has seen for a long, long time. And I, I include the Brendan Rodgers Celtic teams in this as well. I've got more fear from this Celtic team than I did from the Rodgers team that won treble after treble after treble. This one just seems to have more relentlessness about them um, and, and more of a more of a plan. And and yeah, it's it's a daunting prospect for Hearts to go to or any team to go to Celtic Park. It's a daunting prospect to welcome Celtic to your stadium uh, as it stands just now. So aye, that depth is uh, is terrifying. You know, I could um, sit here and agree with you and talk about Ange Postecoglou, Robert, 
Um, and just, you know, for the next 20 odd minutes, talk about a oh, brilliant manager who I would never criticise. But it is a manager that I will criticise that I have getting no time for and I actually get a massive reaction out of me on 6 to 7 Hail Hail Live. And even this morning when I woke up, rent free in my head as I uh, lost the plot at Robbie Nielsen and his comments. So for anybody that doesn't know, um, yesterday after the game, Robbie Nielsen basically said, usually coming to Parkhead, not Celtic Park, but he used the Parkhead there. You need a decapitation before they get a red card against you. Now, Robbie Nielsen was, of course, referring to the incident in the first half when Burnaby, I think, made a tackle. Um, I think it was, in fact, who was it on, Robert? Uh, it was on Nathaniel Atkinson. So the tackle was on Atkinson. And you know what? I actually did say that it was a booking. I thought it was a reckless challenge. I don't think it was malicious. And I don't think that Burnaby, for a minute, went out to you know do him. And even uh, the IFAB, that great governing body that Scottish football has now got an absolute obsession with ever since January the 2nd when we didn't get a penalty. Even IFAB said that by the book, his tackle wasn't the definition of a red card. I, I think it was a mental, mental shout from Robbie Nielsen to be saying that that was a sending off. And then after he's coming out with stuff like that. And if it was a one-off, fine. But any time after Robbie Nielsen doesn't get a result at Celtic Park, it's never addressing his own feelings. It's never putting his hands up and going, yeah, I got this wrong, or, you know, at Celtic, we're just too good here. It's always a snidey wee dig and a snidey wee moan, and I've just had enough of it, but at the same time, I know you're probably going to defend them, Robert, and I know that you love the biz as much as I do in Scottish football, and it's fair to say he's got a reaction out of me. Just, uh, obviously, Stevie, looking into the other dugout, Ange Postacoglu is a man who has famously never criticised VAR, famously never criticised referees. This is a man who always keeps his powder dry. Come on, mate. Listen, you've got green spectacles on with this one. Robbie Nielsen, listen, I think it was a yellow card. I don't think it was a red myself. I don't think he's gone in with enough force um, to, to make that a, a red card. But the fact he didn't even get a yellow was a big part of Robbie Nielsen's annoyance in this. It was Alan Muir was the, the, the referee. And... He's, Nielsen said, and he's absolutely spot on, he's never seen something go to VAR for serious foul play that wasn't even a yellow card in the first place. The referee completely missed that. And that's a huge part of the annoyance. And I think that it would be daft, Stevie, to say that Celtic and Rangers don't get uh, some decisions in their favour at home because that is just a fact. That is the way of life. That is the way it's always going to be. And do you know what? Hearts get decisions at Tynecastle as well because the crowd does make a difference. Referees are human. It's always going to happen. And Robbie Nielsen is the same as any other manager in the top flight, whereby he will absolutely, if there's been a, a contentious refereeing decision, he will take the heat off of himself. He will take the heat off the team and point it at the referees. That's always going to happen. It happens at any team, at any level in this country. And it's just going to keep going. Also, the fact he's making wee remarks like you need a decapitation to get a, a, a red card, that's funny. That's good chat. That's the sort of thing you want to hear in Scottish football. You don't want to hear him say, oh, well, you know, I wish you'd got a yellow card, but in actual fact, the referee was actually all right in this one. Nah, shut up. No one wants to hear that, Stevie. And listen, for as long as he gets a reaction out of you, then he is doing a wonderful job in Maroon. And I I, I will forever be a fan of him for that. Well done on winning that trophy then under Nielsen. The noise up Stevie trophy, brilliant. Uh, that'll be a great one to hang in the Tyne Castle trophy room there, Robert. Um, I'm not even going to mention anything about the opening day of the season tackle on Callum McGregor, even though I just did. I'm not going to mention anything about the 4-3 VAR shambles game where we didn't get that penalty, but I just did. But I will move on, Robert. I'm going to move on because me and you are going to be falling out because on Saturday, March the 11th at 12.15 at Tyne Castle, Hearts play Celtic in the Scottish Cup quarterfinal. It's the first meeting between the teams at that venue since the infamous Guadetti dive game. Before that, we had a 7-0 win in 2013 against, I would say, 
the worst heart side that I've ever seen. And in 2004, Celtic put on a show winning 3-0 thanks to a Stylian Petrov-inspired um, performance. We went on to win the Cup that year as well against Dunfermline. Interestingly, Hearts haven't scored against us in any of those games, but that may change on Saturday when, of course, VAR gives Lauren Shankland his 50th penalty of the season. So, serious part on now, Robert. Again, from a Hearts perspective, um, we know how big this game is for Celtic. It's a major hurdle for us if we are going to go on to win a domestic treble under Ange. It's the third game in a week that we've had, and arguably uh, this is the biggest one. It's the toughest one, I think, if we get by this one. You know, you're going to start hearing the treble part ramped up more and more. But it's not all about Celtic here, amazingly. Hearts do have a say as well. So how big is it from a Hearts perspective on Saturday? It's absolutely massive uh, from a Hearts perspective. I think that Robbie Nielsen, since he became Hearts manager, has never really dropped below third place. I mean, like very, very rarely dropped below third place. I mean, I mean during a season as well. Like he's basically always in that position. So it's almost, you know... Hibs are, Hibs are going good guns just now. They're, they're five points behind us. They've got a good chance of, of overhauling it. I think Aberdeen will have an upturn as well. But in reality, what Robbie Nielsen needs to achieve to become not a good manager, a great Hearts manager, is silverware. He needs to win a trophy. And that's massive for Hearts. Like, you know, in my lifetime, we won it in 98, 2006 and uh, in 2012. Before that one in 98, the last time we won it was 1956. And, and for a club of Hearts size, that is absolutely nowhere near good enough. It's, it's Hearts should be gauged on trophy success. And I think the fact we've made three finals in the last four seasons, losing two to Celtic and one to Rangers, you need to beat these teams if you want to win the Cup. And looking at this Saturday, this is Hearts' best opportunity. If we play Celtic or Rangers in Glasgow, that game becomes ten times harder. If you play them at Tynecastle, you fancy yourself more. You fancy yourself to get a possibly get a result. And I think that in terms of Hearts' season, this is absolutely massive. You know, if, if we lose this game then we basically, we've got third place to, to go for, which is, you know, it's not nothing. It's a, a, another huge thing for us getting back-to-back third positions for the first time since 2004, I think, uh, would be would be huge for the club. But at the same time, you don't gauge success. You don't get a trophy for finishing third. You get a bit of money and you get some European away days, which is great. But you want silverware. And Robbie Nielsen could genuinely become a, a Hearts legend. The Hearts players could become legends. I'm, I'm looking at lights, even though he obviously wouldn't play in the game, Craig Gordon being a massive part of the club just now. And guys that could win a, tr- uh, win a trophy multiple times for Hearts. Robbie Nielsen would be uh, one of a, a very, very small group of Hearts managers that's won the Cup as a manager and as a player. Um, and again, that's something that he obviously is, is absolutely striving and, and you know he's, he's striving towards rightly so. So, from the Hearts point of view, Absolutely massive, as big as it is for Celtic. You're talking about trebles. We're talking about the first trophy we're going to win in 11 years. That's the difference between the two clubs. I understand that. But at the same time, it is, it's huge. Absolutely massive. And I think that Hearts should be going into it with that mindset as well. We've already beaten Hibs away from home, which was a huge, huge result for us in the Scottish Cup. It's never an easy run for us whenever we get there. So to beat Celtic at home, that would give us a right good chance because because uh, Rangers obviously would be then the other team you're looking at is going to be in Hearts' way. Uh, in terms of winning the trophy. Rangers under Mick Beale have lost one game. That was against Celtic, but it was at Hamden. And it shows that they are gettable in certain situations. So again, you know, I'm not getting ahead of myself and saying, right, OK, we'll win, we'll win on Saturday and then it's all about Rangers. But that's the way you've got to, you've got to try and think about it. Is this, is a, this is a very, very good opportunity for Hearts, not just to win this tie, but to then go on and win the Scottish Cup, which is what any Hearts fan wants. I expect Celtic to have Greg Taylor um, and Alistair Johnston back. 
I think midfield's a real conundrum after Tomoki Iwata and pressure again after he came on. But I don't know how the manager can possibly drop Aaron Moy, who assisted Kyogo with that brilliant through ball yesterday as well. I don't think Matt O'Reilly's going to feature. I reckon Rio Hattati will come in for him. The front three, a lot of that depends on Dyson Maeda's injury. I think Haxabanovic scoring a screamer and Abada not taking his chance last night probably means it'll be Jota on the right. Um, and it'll be Maeda or Haxa on the left. It just depends on Dyson's fitness, really, with Kyogo through the middle. But, Robert, you were saying, you know, Hearts made a number of changes last night. What do you reckon the changes will be on Saturday? Who is your expected Hearts line-up for that match? Uh, I mean, I could probably rhyme off the expected line-up just now, to be honest. It'll be Xander Clark and goals. It'll be a back three of uh, James Hill or Toby Simic. Uh, Kai Rose and Stephen Kingsley, Alex Cochran left wing back, Michael Smith right wing back. You'll have Robert Snodgrass and Cami Devlin in the middle of the park with Barry Mackay behind Lauren Shankland and Josh Janelli. That is assuming that Janelli and Shankland are fit. Uh, obviously, that that is a, a real concern for Hearts now because Stephen Humphreys is still out. Shankland was out yesterday. Janelli came off injured, and that's that's the three strikers that Hearts have. That's all three of them. You know, we, we don't really have anyone else. We brought on Yutaro Oda. Young Japanese player, he came off injured as well. So there's there's a, a a decent amount of concern about what we're going to be able to do in an attacking sense. But as I say, yeah, kind of buoyed a little bit by Alan Forrest's contribution in a, a more attacking role, which you know he's been coming on at wing back in recent weeks. That's not his position, but he's obviously an able enough deputy to to come in there and play as well. But there will be a lot of changes to that Hearts team are expected to be three four three or three four one two. However you want to look at it, that seems to be the, the preferred formation. So a lot of changes, uh, I expect, for Hearts. It will be more like the, the lineups. to be honest with you. Just look at the St Johnston game uh, from, from Saturday rather than looking at the Celtic game from midweek. Um, so there will be a lot of changes, but you'd expect that the, the boys coming in will be wanting to make a difference as well. No one wants to miss out on games at, at Celtic Park. It's Robin Nielsen who's obviously thought, nah, do you know what, the more important game is on Saturday. So he's made those changes. So yeah, there will be a, a, a lot of a lot of new faces um, compared to compared to midweek. Um, I read on six to seven hail hail. I think Hamish wrote it that the ticket sales have been quite poor for the match at Tynecastle. Um, obviously that's him writing from a Celtic angle. Can you shed any light on that as a Hearts fan or that? Is it picked up or anything, or do you think it's going to be like a pretty dismal crowd considering the occasion? It's not a surprise that when it's all ticket, obviously season ticket holders um, can can buy their tickets beforehand, but it usually just goes to a general sale anyway. It's not that surprising to see fairly poor uptake right up until the the game itself. I think that if I'm being totally honest, like the fact that Celtic have the whole Roseburn stand, they have the whole away stand, the fact that it's midday, the fact that it's on TV, Hearts fans hate playing Celtic. Like genuinely, it might seem that all the vitriol and all that comes from the two sections right next to the waist stand and that, but it's like genuinely speaking, we don't like playing against Celtic. And if you're charging thirty quid a ticket, which is what it is for for home fans, obviously we need to match that because we want the, the money from the Celtic fans. I, I would assume. I don't know why the ticket prices are so expensive. Then it's not a huge surprise to me to see that the uptake hasn't been great. I think as always happens with Hearts fans, they'll wait until the tail end of the week. So you'll see fans buying a lot of fans buying tonight, tomorrow even on Saturday morning. Um, but I don't think it will sell out. And again, not a huge surprise. We played the Rangers at this point in the competition in 2019. In fact, it was the start of 2020. It was right before COVID. And uh, and we beat them. But it wasn't a full it wasn't a full house. Like Rangers sold out, but we didn't. Um, and again, it's it's not a huge surprise to to see that. So I'm not entirely concerned by it. 
Um, I've got this wee superstition, this wee conspiracy that hearts against the old firm do better when we don't sell out. Uh, I know you never wanted to mention it, Stevie, but the 2012 uh, Scottish Cup semi-final. Right, everyone, it's um, this has been Gigpod 150. <laughs> ha- have, have your moment, on you go. 2012 Scottish Cup semi-final, Hearts only sold 12,000 tickets. I believe Celtic had 27,000 on that occasion. Uh, again, that was that was the defeatism uh, of, of Hearts fans, really. That's the only excuse that I can come up with. But look at what a glorious day that was in the, uh, in the April Glasgow sunshine as Craig Beattie whipped his tap off and Neil Lennon drowned in his own tears. It was a wonderful day, a wonderful day. And as I say, that, that uh, quarterfinal against Rangers in 2020 was the same sort of thing. Uh, again, you know, it wasn't a sellout, but we got the victory on the day. So when the diehards show up, the diehards make a noise. Uh, and, and that's what I'm hoping for on, on Saturday. Oh, there was also the, 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 the just after COVID game, uh, Postecoglou's first trip to Tynecastle um, when we beat his 2-1, John Souter. Uh, scoring uh, towards the end of that one as well. So listen, it's uh, I've backed myself up the facts there, Stevie, just to try and make myself feel better about the fact that Hearts fans uh, aren't wanting to go to this game. That's where I'll leave us, Robert, because I know that me and you um, will probably fall out if we start getting more personal in this one. Um, honestly, it's been really good to have you on, but on a sincere level, it's been too long since I've had a bevy with you, and we'll have to put that right very soon, especially after Celtic's uh, glorious win on Saturday. So... This has been GigPod episode 158. Thanks to everybody for listening. Before I do the outro, Robert, again, thanks for coming on. And everybody, if they want to follow you, you're on Terrace Podcast and your Twitter account is still at RF Bothwick. Is that right? Those are absolutely correct. And once again, Stevie, an absolute pleasure to be invited on to GigPod. I thank you very much. Very welcome. Right, everyone. So this has been episode 158. Thanks a lot for listening. You know where to find us by now. Usually Rizzo does this part. It's going to have to be me, so you've probably tuned out as it is. But really appreciate all the support and all the downloads and everybody who follows on Twitter and Instagram as well. And myself and Rizzo will be back where we review the Hearts and Celtic Cup game on Monday when no doubt we'll be talking about another Celtic victory at Tynecastle. Cheers. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.